Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and if you try to talk to me while I'm reading a book alone in a bar, I will be mad about it. Uh, unless you're like top percentile charming, but the odds of that are pretty low. Who are you, friend? I'm Billy. I'm a sex educator and a porn maker, and I don't go to bars. I'm 30 years old. I this, <laughs> I have no I have no need to go bar hopping. I don't know how I don't know how any of this works anymore. But we could <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, these days if I go to a bar, it's either like with somebody to see that person and spend time with that person, or it's just to hang out by myself with a book and I truly find it so weird that people will try to talk to me while I'm sitting there with my book. Like I understand in theory why they think it's okay. And I even think like, I guess it is okay. Like, I guess there's something (laughs) wrong with it. It's just like, it aggravates me uh, (laughs) and is completely counter to how I ever meet people, uh, which is part of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, that makes sense. So I felt inspired to do an episode that was about sort of like picking people up or like seduction or like pickup artisty type of stuff because there mm-hmm. was this great episode of this podcast that we both listened to called If Books Could Kill that recently came out that was about the game, which is the book where all the pickup artist stuff originated. And I just find pickup artists... Uh, both reprehensible and fascinating and I thought it would be fun to dive into not only like what they do and like how they go about it but also like the idea of picking people up in general there's so many air quotes around it Mm -hmm. uh, and just our thoughts and experiences on that yeah I also enjoyed that episode I like felt some type of way about some of their takes frankly but like it was interesting to hear them unpack a lot of what they were talking about. Hmm. I'm curious, what were your quibbles with their takes? <sighs> they spent a lot of time and, frankly, a lot of conversation I see around pickup artist stuff assuming bad intentions from everyone who is involved in this, hmm. um, assuming that it is about manipulation and control exclusively, Uh, Assuming something, there is something inherently wrong with needing rules for social interactions, Mm. which like is a thing I need and I need a lot of the things that are explicitly explained in this, like that this book seeks out to explicitly explain to people are Mm -hmm. things I need explicitly explained to me to get through social interactions. Mm -hmm. So like there was a lot of assumptions that like all of those things on their own were like, yeah, it, the episode seemed based on a lot of those assumptions that I disagree with most of those things. Like my issue with pickup culture is that it is based around this kind of combat, combative battle of the sexes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think everyone who gets into it is interested in control and is interested in manipulation. Like, I don't think that's the driving force, and I think a lot of people believe it is. 
Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. And I think that there is a lot of crossover with the incel community in terms of, yeah, not everybody in that community is a toxic, entitled incel who's committing mass murders, like the worst people in that group. And there are certain people who are drawn to it for other reasons, including neurodivergence and various other Mm -hmm. things. But at the same time, it gets a bad rap for, you know, what the worst people in the group are doing. And I also think I I agree with you to some extent. Like, I agree with you certainly that, like, there are some people who need rules and explanations and, like, detailed formulas for social interaction. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not neurodivergent, but I have social anxiety, and so I very much get that. I also think that the word manipulation is often thrown around in these discussions, even though, like, I don't think manipulation on its own is inherently bad. Like, I think it often can be used in, in, like, bad ways and, like, to control people and to get them to do things that are not in their best interest and that are in the best interest of the person manipulating them. But I think in some sense when we're socializing, like, we're always doing some degree of manipulating the situation. Like, if you're trying to meet someone like you are trying to make them think that you're cool and hot and interesting. And so like, I think that a lot of people like get nervous about like, I I definitely have a fear of like, Oh, what if I'm manipulating people? Like I get really freaked out about that. But like, there is some degree of that that we're all doing all the time, I think. Right. I mean, there's some degree of social performance and in curating the way I'm going to interact based on the outcome, I would prefer. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, (laughs) Like, obviously, there are things that are distinctly manipulative, right? My goal, if, you know, things where my goal is to have you acting against your better judgment and impair your judgment as much as possible to get you there, right? Yeah. Whatever ways I'm using that, whether they're, like, they talked a lot about alcohol in the show, but, like, also this, like, negging stuff where it's, like, I'm going to make you feel so shitty that you're going to make decisions that are outside of your better judgment and things like that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that shit is harmful, right? But, like, and, I mean, it's, it's a question of semantics, right? When does something become called manipulation and right. when is it just... <sighs> Humans being human. human, Yeah, exactly. And just crafting my message to, like, I don't know. When I think about the words I choose to articulate something, I am crafting a message based on what I want to communicate and how I expect you to hear it and how I would like you to hear it, right? Mm -hmm. And when does that become manipulation? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know where that gray air like where the line in that middle of that gray area is i know what the stuff on the other end of the spectrum looks like but you know what i mean yeah yeah and i think that for me the issue with pickup artists is they are trying to manipulate people into doing something that those people would not otherwise want or necessarily agree to like whether it be through in in that episode of that podcast they discussed alcohol as you said they also discussed like age differences and power mm-hmm. discrepancies as well as, yeah, like to some extent, you are going to make choices that are different than you would normally make if someone is nagging you or that kind of thing, especially if you are psychologically vulnerable to that for whatever reason. And I think that 
you know, if I was ever going to try to pick people up at a bar or whatever, my hope would be that my goal would be to figure out, do we both want this rather than to try to force on them? Like, I want this and I'm going to make you want this also, because Mm -hmm. in those initial conversations to me, like whether you're on a first date that you planned off Tinder or you're like meeting someone in a public place, the goal is to find out do we like each other? Are we compatible? Do we have a connection or chemistry? Mm-hmm. Do we both want to go forward with this? And I do think that a lot of the pickup artist techniques are, in essence, just icebreakers, which mm-hmm. enable that part of the process to start. But it's when you get into the stuff that's more about misrepresenting yourself, lying, uh, pushing people mm-hmm. beyond where they would normally go. Um, I think that that is pretty yikes. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, frankly, that a lot of the people that even move to these more, like, manipulative behaviors, Mm -hmm. again, I'm not excusing these behaviors, but I don't necessarily think it's always about control, whether that's explicit or something that they're not recognizing that they're craving or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I do think that, like, there is also something to be said for... men who like are not manipulating women because it makes them feel powerful they're not manipulating because like they're malicious and they do i mean i'm sure there's some degree of not seeing women as human but i think there are large chunks of that also that are like i don't deserve love attention affection etc without manipulating people into it yeah. Right. Like it is a I like it. It is a human need that we all have, whether as much as they are explicitly recognizing that as a need or not, like it is a need that they are driven towards. Mm-hmm. And if they have wound up in the parts of cultural conversation that have like told them that the, like that haven't exposed them to better ways to access that and they are craving connection and they are told that the world is a game and like. Mm-hmm. I think there are people that are out there like trying to seek out connection and don't feel like they are entitled to or deserve it Yeah, in ways that they could get in more ethical ways. And again, doesn't excuse the behavior, but I don't think attributing across the board this like manipulative they they use the word sociopathic in the episode at one point and it's Mm -hmm. like it no just because we don't teach cis men how to connect with people in the world doesn't mean that they're incapable of it and because they fell down one reddit rabbit hole that gave them some tools that let's be honest are based in fact and are useful and a fuck ton of other tools and a fuck ton of other rhetoric that's really problematic like I don't know that we need to assume malicious intent across the board because that is the information they wound up in. Yeah, I definitely think that there are people in the story of pickup artists who do exhibit traits that are kind of like, are you aware that other people are people? Like, are you aware that you're not living in like a solipsistic universe? And that to me is probably what they were reading as sociopathic, like these behaviors where it really doesn't seem like they care about the other people's comfort or personhood at all. But I really agree with you that like 
if you think about these people in the incel community or the pickup artist community and like why they got into that in the first place, there's a great many of them who did so because they have this human need for connection and they have a they have a deep-seated belief that yeah that they don't deserve it that, that they won't get it and like I know about this so intimately from a different angle because this is a belief that I hold too but it just manifests so differently for me like I just have like really anxious attachment and like get really worried that my partners are gonna leave me and mm -hmm. I've definitely done things when triggered into that type of state that probably were manipulative. Um, mm -hmm. And it's trying to get my psychological needs met. And so as much as I think these people can be and have been dangerous, some of them in some situations, like I do think it's useful to approach the conversation from a place of understanding why they're doing it in the first place. Yeah. And frankly, like looking around, there are very few men speaking to men about how, about like things like social skills and mm -hmm. communication skills and interaction yeah. like that outside of that community, frankly, like that is one of the loudest voices out there talking to men about how to interact with people. Mm -hmm. And like, that is a problem certainly mm -hmm. but like i don't these are big huge problems with masculinity and like i don't know i have a hard time bringing like with the, having a lot of animosity towards specific men caught up in this yeah right yeah i think we all have a responsibility to pay attention to how our behavior is affecting other people and mm -hmm. I think that the very problems that can lead someone into this community might make it difficult for them to assess that with any degree of like objectivity and skill. Mm -hmm. um, I have a former friend who used to be a pickup artist type person and kind of renounced it after realizing the problems with it. Mm -hmm. And he's a person who's just like generally socially awkward and uh, has a tendency to like cross boundaries with maybe without knowing it or, or noticing it mm -hmm. and I do think that there needs to be better education about like social skills and like not doing that and like Dr. Nerdlove is I think mm -hmm. one of the best people doing this um, he actually agreed a while ago to come on our show and I just have not had the executive function to plan that but <laughs> we have to do that yeah yeah um, but if you're interested in learning more about like dating and social type skills specifically for men, but a lot of them apply to a lot of different people. I would check out Dr. Nerd Love for sure. Yeah. Um, Cause I've definitely like, if I was a cis dude, I could, if I, I could easily see myself winding up in this and I have definitely had just degrees of fascination with it in just my series of fascinations with how humans work and how social interactions work and mm -hmm. relationships and such clearly has been a hyper focus over the course of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I, there are huge chunks of stuff in there about like body language and tone and conversational skills and things that like I have pulled and use and also have seen in plenty of other things because like a lot mm -hmm. of this is just based on like shit my college degree is in interpersonal communication and a lot of it is shit that I learned in college about this shit right like mm -hmm. they're not it 
part of the problem is it's not all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like it's a fuck ton of bullshit with legit st- stuff sprinkled in there and yeah. put in these like fancy little code phrases and everything to make it seem really official and and fascinating. And that's and you know ah, they t- they had quotes that sounded like they were out of some like D and D campaign in there and stuff. <laughs> like they get to put this like lore of community and rules and things around it that make it really appealing. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I'm getting off on tangents now. (laughs) (laughs) I think the good parts of Pickup Artist teachings are the parts that aim to make both people feel good about the interaction and Mm -hmm. and ultimately feel better afterward. Um, And I think that the parts that are less... (laughs) less good and less ethical are the parts that are explicitly about making people feel bad so that they will give you what you want. And Mm -hmm. as common as this is in the world throughout, like I see negging in like the business world all the time. Like I get people in my inbox being like, I don't know why you're charging that much. You don't have that much traffic. And like, I can get another person to place this ad for much less. And I'm always like, okay, go do that. Like, that's fine. Um, But it's, it's a really common technique like in a lot of different areas and I just don't think it's necessary like um but you know I'm a little bit biased because I think I actually like read about negging before I ever encountered negging in real life Mm. um so I recognized it when it first happened to me but also like it just gives you a feeling that's like so unpleasant and so different from normal flirting that like Every single time it's happened to me, even if I wasn't on like a cognitive level entirely sure that what had just happened was nagging, I felt the feeling of having been nagged. And I was like, like, it's just like felt gross and bad. And like, it didn't make me want to talk more to the person. But more importantly, like, that's not what flirting and connection should be about, in my view. Mm-hmm. Like, we should be trying to make each other feel good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I, like, I've obviously heard the phrase talked about a lot. I don't know, like, I've encountered passive aggression Mm -hmm. just in dating and in interactions with people. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever had an interaction that I have, like, labeled as a neg or thought about that and, like, felt particularly different afterwards. Like, Mm -hmm. passive aggression is a second language in my home, so I... I'm very acquainted with it and have seen a lot of it in my life. And like, I think I just, anything that would be considered an egg, I guess I just cluster under that category, but I don't know that I've ever really interact, encountered it in the real world. It's just, it's so gross. I can't remember specific examples at this moment, but it's basically yeah. like a, a thing that ostensibly is a compliment, but actually makes you like, examine yourself more closely than you perhaps want to at that moment i think people have like made comments about what i've been wearing to the effect of like wow i can't believe you were brave enough to go out in that or something and they may not have in every case like explicitly meant that to be nagging or been doing it from a pickup artisty place but it's like you can give a compliment that's just a compliment (laughs) like you don't have to also make me feel bad while you're doing it it's really weird Yeah, yeah, that's just, yeah, I don't know, like, that's just the kind of catty, passive-aggressive shit that I, like, 
I, all of my examples are coming from places out of dating and things. Like the time mm-hmm. someone bought me something for Christmas and I like, I was like, oh, this doesn't fit. And my mom was like, well, you weighed less when I bought it a couple months ago. And I was like, yikes. Okay. Well, it doesn't fit. So I don't want it. Like I, <laughs> but like shit like that, where I'm just like, the, like most of my interactions with that have frankly been with other women. Um, and like mm-hmm. in other social interactions, I haven't had someone pull it at dating for me. Or business, frankly. Yeah, I think that with the pickup artists, I think that they're doing this mostly to women who are like super, super conventionally attractive, who probably Mm. are very used to getting just like normal fawning compliments all the time. Yeah. And I'm now thinking maybe one of the reasons that nagging has never landed for me is like I receive comparatively fewer compliments than that type Mm. of woman. And so when I receive one that like doesn't feel like a compliment (laughs) at all, like I, I just feel like, I don't know, it, it's maybe it stands out to me more or maybe I'm just like hypersensitive to criticism because of my trauma history or something. Maybe there's like a level of sensitivity at which negging stops working. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I do think there is, like, a very specific environment a lot of this is yeah. developed to exist in, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, they, they mentioned in the episode we were talking about how a lot of them talk about, like, someone else wearing the clothing you're wearing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I, I wonder how much of the thing, like... I have never dated in the straight club scene. I do also... <laughs> A thing I noticed earlier that I think is interesting, I don't use the word picking up. I do go out to parties. I don't right. go to bars because I don't drink. But I go to parties and shit to, like, meet strangers. and mm-hmm. Or, like, I will walk up to strangers at parties and concerts and things like that and say, hi, you're cool, and pick and start a conversation and try and get someone's number. Yeah. Sure, I do shit like that all the time. Um, that's cruising. That's right. not picking someone up. Which is... Uh, difference in language and gays are going to use cruising more often but i do think it's the 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 linguistics does suggest a difference in like power structure there almost yeah i think cruising in my experience is more like equals checking each other out and assessing whether they want to do something whereas picking up like does sound objectifying to me as if you're literally picking up an object and walking out with it um and in straight dating circles, like, that is often the dynamic, as far as I understand. Like, this is the first thing that has always confused me about pickup artists is, like, I have never been a person who wants to just randomly meet people in environments like bars and clubs. Like, it is different if it's a sex event or, like, mm. a sex like sex party or, like, thing at the sex club. Like, for me, that's, that's different because that's an environment where, like, I am explicitly going there because that's the sex place. And like, yeah, there are nights when I'm going there and don't want to meet people either because I'm going with a friend or because I just wanted to hang out in the pool by myself or whatever. But I am much more understanding of people who try to chat me up uh, in that environment because that's a place where it just kind of makes more sense to me. Mm. Um, Whereas if I'm just like at a regular bar, 
It's like usually people go there because they, I mean, nowadays anyway, post-internet days, usually people go there because they, they want to hang out with whoever they're going to the bar with. And I just always feel like people are interrupting my night when they try to talk to me there. Um, but then actually, like, I've learned That's... so much about the other side of this from my spouse, who's like super extroverted. Because yeah. they go out for dinner by themselves pretty often in New York City and people are just like always striking up conversations with them. Yeah. Um, or they'll, if they get the vibe that someone next to them wants to chat, then they'll sometimes chat and they make great connections who sometimes they end up becoming friends with or, or doing business with later on. And uh, that's just totally, I don't know. I just am not that type of person. It, I have stranger danger panic about it. Like, I'm just like, you're either going to try to sell me something or try to fuck me in like a really aggressive, inappropriate way. And like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm too sensitive to this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, for me, it very much is a context thing. Mm-hmm. Like, however... Bars, concerts, parties, um, et cetera, are all kind of in the same bucket for me as like, Mm. if I go to those, I'm going because I want to talk to strangers. If I don't want to talk to strangers, I don't go. Um, Because like, but that is why I seek out those interactions. Like, because for me, those are social contexts in which I expect interactions with strangers. Um, I am also a person who... I mean, pre-pandemic when I was going out. Like, Mm -hmm. I went to a concert or a burlesque show or party, like, once a week or so, and exclusively alone. I didn't – I don't bring – well, now I do sometimes more, but generally I don't bring people with me when I went out because I go out to meet people or enjoy things on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, those are contexts in which I – expect a little bit like I expect some interactions with strangers I do also go into them and have a moment of like I if I'm approaching someone this is moving into I guess another thing we're going to talk about but like when I'm approaching someone my first interaction gives them a moment to look completely uninterested and go okay great I have said one thing to you you're gonna like respond to that and then I'm gonna fuck off like I did not start a conversation that has to I have to be here forever now right I yeah Like, so I do accept that not everyone is there to hang out with me. And like, if you, if you give me one or two word answers, I'm like, cool, okay, I'll go talk to other people, whatever. Right. But like, I do, those are environments where I kind of, I don't know, expect and accept that I am like, no, I have put myself out here to be approached by people because I am in a place where people Mm. do that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think part of my resistance to this also, in addition to like being an introverted, socially anxious person, is that I'm just super demisexual. So Mm -hmm. it's always been kind of weird to me that someone could look at me and just from looking at me be interested in me because that's just something like I don't really I don't know. I don't really speak that language. And so you know, I would prefer that if someone's going to do that, that it be about something that feels to me a little bit more substantial. Like they noticed the book that I'm reading and find it interesting, or they noticed some pins on my jacket and uh, that make me seem like an interesting person or whatever. And I'm always just like a little bit suspicious of people who are interested in me just based on my looks, which is partly the well, dummy thing and partly because I'm just like really insecure. I'm like, there's something wrong here. You must be lying. You're not telling me something. 
Well, my follow-up question to that is, are they approaching you and saying they're only interested in your look? Like, they are approaching you because of your looks? Because well, I don't no, generally open like, with the thing I thought about. I looked at, like, that caught my interest, right? Well, for me, it's like, yeah. what else would it be? Because there's been nothing else. Like, all you can really well, see... Well, if you're reading a book and you have your pens, it could have been either of those things too, right? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is, like, yeah. I'm, I'm more open to you know, conversations that start with someone acknowledging something like that that feels more substantive to me. But when I don't really have any like flair on and there's not really anything like super visible about me that someone could like read into and people just start chatting me up, I'm always just like, you have no idea who I am. And I feel like this is just my own insecurity. I think I feel like if I say more if we have a conversation, you're going to be like, oh, I thought you were different. I thought you were a normie and you're actually like a queer sex weirdo or whatever. You know, like it just feels it feels pointless to me because it feels like it's just not going to pan out. And I'm realizing as I say this, this is definitely just because I'm very insecure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I mean, like my follow up is like, I don't know, I when I am a- approaching someone, it is. Like, they are hot as often on the list, certainly. Right. Um, but, like, I don't know. I. And now we're getting more into what, like, cruising looks like for me and not necessarily what every pickup artist is thinking, obviously. That's but, like, fine. This, is, uh, yeah. this has already become a very freeform discussion. I'm here for it. Right. Um, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, approaching someone is... For me, not saying I necessarily need this conversation to end in me getting your number or me going home with you or whatever. In the same way, like, vetting someone for a kink scene doesn't mean um, they're either safe or, like, they're either safe and I'm going to scene with them or I'm not going to scene with them, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I generally, I think, of like, when someone approaches me or when I approach them, it is like, oh, they probably think I'm hot and also I'm interesting in a cluster of other ways. Like, I have approached them folks simply it's like oh you're you you look queer and hot and you know a few xyz other things whatever um and it's i am approaching people with the intention of you seem interesting i would like to find out if you are a person i am interested in fucking Mm -hmm. um right and i think like there can definitely, I think a lot of, res- like, I don't think you're alone in resisting the, like, someone has approached me. This means I don't know right now if I want to fuck them. So I shouldn't talk to them at all because I'm going to have to decide if I want to. F- and then what if they decide they want to fuck me? Or what if they decide they don't want to fuck me? I didn't yeah. even know if I wanted to fuck them, but I don't want them to reject me. Right? Like, right. that whole cluster of things, I think, is really common for folks around approaching people. Mm-hmm. Because especially anxious folks who like are able to think of every possible outcome immediately like our brains do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know, I think we'd probably have a lot more genuine interactions if we speaking as someone who is struggling to have like genuine intimate interactions during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, but I think we'd have a lot more like general, genuine vulnerable interactions if we were not approaching them with an end goal or feeling like we had to even know the end goal when yeah. we started them or to start them. Like sometimes I'm afraid to approach people because I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like them. And what if I start talking to them and then they like me and I have been successfully charming and I decide I don't like them? Oh, no. Yeah. 
right? Like, I don't know. I don't know that that fear is helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I, yeah, now that we're unpacking, this episode is turning out to be not what I thought it was going to be at all, but it's like really (laughs) causing me to examine my own feelings about pickup artists and like setting aside the criticisms that are valid of the awful things that some pickup artists do. Right. I do think that my feelings about them indicate my discomfort with this style of like offline dating. Um, Mm -hmm. And I read this great book called, what was it? I think it was just called The Offline Dating Method by Mm. Camille Virginia, which is pretty straight oriented. She actually invited me to make some additions to a later edition of it uh, Mm. to make it a bit more queer friendly. So that's out now. Folks want to check that out. But it's a guide to uh, mostly for straight women, how to like strike up conversations with people in public that could Mm -hmm. lead to going on a date. And it's very like step by step detailed but also fairly open. Like there's a lot of room in it for like creativity mm. and mm-hmm. infusing your own personality into it as opposed to some of these pickup artist things that are like a specific line or a specific question you're supposed to ask right. or whatever. Right. And I did find that book interesting to read in particular because, <laughs> you know, my, when my partner read it, they were like, or read my highlights of it, they were like, yeah, I kind of knew all this stuff already because they're like, very extroverted, very socially able in a way that I just never really have been. And one of the most Mm -hmm. useful things I picked up from it, and this is going to sound super obvious to people who are good at this, but when you're in in a public place and you want to strike up a conversation with somebody, best thing to do is like comment on something that's going on, whether it's something about what they're doing, what they're wearing, or Mm -hmm. the situation you're in. Like, wow, can you believe this... uh, this view from this restaurant that we're at or like how do you know the host of this party or something like that mm-hmm. and there was something about like <laughs> the initiating of the conversation that has always been the hardest part for me like once I'm into it I'm okay and like this is part of why I don't like to go to these types of things alone because I need a friend who's good at that part of things mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is like one of the things I thought was most helpful in the stuff they talked about in the game is just the lists of like icebreakers mm-hmm. like they talked about the one like oh my friends are trying to name five oceans uh, trying to name the oceans and we got these four we forget one whatever right mm-hmm. like yeah that's cheesy and silly and whatever but someone's going to be able to answer it and then you're just having a conversation and if you can just have a conversation beyond that fine and like yeah my go-to is generally if i can comment on something happening around me if mm-hmm. i can be standing near Someone that I want to say something to, like, I'm not going to trail them at the party. That's fucking creepy. Right. (laughs) But like, if I happen to be near them and a song comes on and I'm like, oh, shit, I fucking love this song. Right. Right. And you can say it to the room Mm -hmm. and also to the person you're kind of near and like, right. Or like, I've had plenty of times where I've like been at a party and like, Lots of stuff was going on, right? But I notice something happening in the corner. Like, something happening off to the side. Like, I don't know. Uh, You can notice, like... I'm trying to think of things that aren't, like, malicious. Because sometimes I'll notice, like, someone trip and be like, oh, you missed that step, didn't you, right? But, like, something that is not, like... (laughs) Not talking to the person. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, No, but, like... I frankly no I do use it for myself a lot like I'll be if I if I'm like walking up a stairs and trip on something I'll be like 
no one saw me. No one saw that, right? And like, <laughs> can look at someone, right? Or just like, right? If I bump into something and spill a little, oh, spill water all over myself. Shit, right? Like, yeah. And I draw them based on looking around me, and I am not currently in a party full of people, so I'm like, right, right. having a hard time coming up with things. But like, anything that happens, or shit, if I'm watching a performance, I'll be like. I wish I could do some shit like that. That that is absurd. Look at what that person can do, right? Like things yeah. like that. That like the person can. And this is what I was talking about, where I was like, my opener usually has an option for the person to not be interested, right? Right? Like because they can just be those, like, "Yep, sure," and then that's it. Exactly. Those aren't. They're not even really questions. It is like I am softballing something at you, and mm-hmm. if you've been sitting over there being like, "Man, that guy's kind of cute. He's he keeps coming. I keep seeing him walk by me at the party, and I keep mm-hmm. right like now I've said something, and now you can say something, and now we can start right. You yeah. know, um, <sighs> shit. Look at someone's. I'd be like, God, that ja- that jacket is gorgeous. Do you see that? Right, like fucking anything, but point to something around you. Um, and if they want to talk to you, they will take the bait. Like, I don't know, one of my biggest signs that someone is interested in me, whether we're texting or talking in person, is when the conversation has ended, but they're still saying things, Mm -hmm. and I'm still saying things, and I'm like, wow, this conversation has no substance anymore, but you're just still finding things to say, like... Because you just want to be talking to each other. Because you just want to be talking, right? Like... So if someone is interested in you, you don't need to like lasso them into a conversation. You need to throw them a softball because they're going to bite at fucking anything you give them because they're also interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a really important thing that I've had to learn because my feeling was always if I talk to someone, they're going to think I'm weird for like starting the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I recently went to an industry event where I was not allowed to bring a plus one. And Mm -hmm. I had therapy earlier that day. And I literally spent the whole therapy session being like, I'm freaked out about this party tonight. Like I want to go, but like, I'm really freaked out about the social aspect of it, particularly Mm -hmm. because with the pandemic, like I haven't really done anything like that in a while. Mm -hmm. And, my therapist was being very patient and understanding and was suggesting a few potential things that I could do, including this sort of like just commenting on the situation thing. And mm-hmm. in the actual moment, like I we were hanging out in this pop up sex shop and milling around and I was not talking to anybody and I was being super weird. And then I heard someone behind me having a conversation about the clona willy. And I was like, mm. ooh, this is my moment. <laughs> and I like whirled around. I was like, I've done three of them. They're super weird. And then we got into a conversation about that. And I ended up like making my friend for the evening who I spent most of the evening with. Um, Love that. Yeah, but it was amazing to me how like, I felt so anxious in that moment about doing that, even though I knew like, oh, this is actually a perfect opportunity for me to step in. I know exactly what Mm -hmm. I'm going to say. And people were very receptive to it. I still had this just like intense like wave of anxiety that came over me as I was saying it, as if they were going to be like, "Um, who are you and why are you talking to us? Like, that's just always what I think is going (laughs) to happen. Right. And that's almost never going to happen. Yeah. It hasn't really happened to me since like middle school. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Honestly, another tool I've found really helpful at parties, even if I am particularly anxious, Mm -hmm. is to decide that someone else at the party is anxious and Mm -hmm. I need to go make them feel better. Mm -hmm. Someone, several someones, whatever. Pick someone else who looks lonely and 
appear near them and give them an opportunity, right? So and good. then I'm not like risking a sub. I'm generously going to offer this person who looks lonely some companionship. And if they don't seem to want that, oh, then they're this flavor of anxious that like can't even have a person. And that also has nothing to do with me. So I can just back like I can just go find someone else. Right. Yeah. Um, And then I I'm always good in a helper role like that always makes me (laughs) feel better. Um, So if I have decided that like actually I know it doesn't feel like it, but I'm the socially confident person right now. I'm mm-hmm. actually, like, super capable, especially if I'm in, like, a sex venue, a sex space or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, no, I'm nervous, but this feels more like home to me than most people here. Like, right. there is at least a handful of people here who are at their first ever sex event, and this is the scariest thing they've ever done. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, it will, an orgy will never be that for me anymore, like, at this point in my <laughs> life. I yeah, just send me to like a fucking rave full of straight people or like a fucking um like festival kind of concert type Coachella, thing. Coachella, yeah. Coachella, yeah. I would have no fucking clue. I would be lost. <laughs> I can I would just the deer in the headlights the entire time, right? Right. But put me at like a little punk show in Brooklyn or at a fucking queer orgy or play party or something, and I'm like even the most anxious version of me is more at home than some of the people here for their first time. So I'm going to go find those people and like put on my cool guy thing and talk to them. And that usually gives me a little bit of a warm up to start talking to other people and helps remind me that I'm in a place that like I do feel kind of comfortable and I do feel kind of natural and where I do f- kind of feel like I belong. Yeah. So much of it is about making a mindset shift and mm. That reminded me also of there used to be an event here in Toronto called the Queer Slow Dance. I forget if I ever took you to mm. that when you were here. You would have loved it. Yeah. Um, and it was like, you know, sort of 80s prom style. Uh, and they would have what they called designated dancers who were oh. people who volunteered to just basically go around and anybody who looked lonely or like they didn't know what to do, just go up and ask them to dance. And I remember that one of the times I went to Queer Slow Dance, I had dolled myself up and like somehow convinced myself to go by myself. Like I didn't have any friends who were able to go with me that night. Mm -hmm. And uh, a woman came up to me and asked me to dance who I I was pretty sure she was a designated dancer. Like they don't identify themselves, but like that was kind of the vibe I was getting because I was kind of sitting there looking forlorn. And for a second, I felt some shame about it like oh no like she's pitying me I'm a you know whatever Mm. but then we just started having a great conversation while we were slow dancing and she was like perfectly lovely and exactly what you just said like I I kind of gathered the momentum or or started to warm up in a Mm. way where like I I sort of had to break through that block of ice that was around me that I was keeping myself within in order Mm. to feel comfortable starting to reach out and talk to other people it's great Yeah. And I mean, frankly, the people who volunteer for that job are probably extroverts like your partner who are like, great, I have a reason to approach all of these people. Phenomenal. Great. Yes, it's true. Um, And I think that momentum thing is really helpful. I think it was Dr. Nerdlove who I saw talk about this first. Um, But the idea of if you are going to go out to like a party or a bar or something, um, have a phone call with a friend or go to a grocery store and chat with the person checking you out 
while you're ringing yourself up or mm-hmm. like like have com- low stakes conversations with humans in the like hour or so beforehand when you're on your way. Yeah. So that when you're at the loud bar, you are not like opening your mouth for the first time in six hours to talk to a person. Right. Because that's exponentially harder. And like I've definitely found whether I like warm up before an event or get to an event, there is usually like an hour of like me figuring out how to navigate social situations even more so now because I'm also out of practice. Right. Where like I hit a point where I like feel myself turn on and my like social – version of me kind of pops out, right? Yeah. Um, it's very similar to the version of me that teaches and the version of me that presents on this podcast, frankly. Right. But it's the version of me that is front-facing and used to interacting with the world. And, like, sometimes he needs a little bit of coaxing. And if I'm trying to bring him out because a hot person walked up to me, he's not going to be eloquent. He is not – I'm going <laughs> to – like the, the it's going to take me a bit to task switch and I'm going to panic and I'm going to feel really silly and fumble over my words and then I'm going to feel like I don't know how to have social interactions and like it'll be downhill for the party. Mm-hmm. But if I can give myself an early win, especially with someone that like I'm not trying to pick up the person. Do not try and pick up the person ringing you up at the grocery store. For the love <laughs> of fucking God, they're at work. <laughs> yeah. I'm just asking them how their day is and being a little friendly mm-hmm. and not standing at the register with my fucking headphones in because that's rude too. Thank you very much. We are humans. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just reminds me that I am capable of being charming mm-hmm. and can kind of get going with that. Yep. Absolutely. Another thing that used to stress me out, I mean, honestly, it still does, is like after you have initiated the conversation, whoever initiated it. Whenever the thing that you were initially commenting on has kind of like run its course conversationally, I used to always be like, uh, how do I like, how do I keep this going? Because if the pretense for the conversation was you were commenting on something that just happened at the party and that thing is no longer happening, like it it can be tough. And what I've learned is like, it is okay to just have a really formulaic basic way that you do this. Like I usually Mm -hmm. am just like, how's your night going? Something like Mm -hmm. that, which is interesting because like, I really don't like that type of opener on online dating platforms because Mm -hmm. it comes across to me as very generic. But I think in in in-person environments, it's basically the ideal question because uh, everybody is having a night or having a day. Like everybody has Mm -hmm. stuff that has happened to them that day. And also they can answer it in as little or as much detail as they would like. And you can ask follow-up questions about whatever Mm -hmm. they say. And I think it's just a great way to kind of keep things going. Yeah. I like to go into interactions like parties and things with three to five questions in my back pocket that just, if I need something, I can ask this to anyone at any point and it will be interesting. Like Mm -hmm. when I go to camp, if you've met me at camp, I probably said, so what you been up to so far? And, or do you have any fun scenes planned coming up soon? Yeah. Cause the answers to both of those will be yet. Like they've done something so far. They're probably doing something, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, so, yeah, I, I try to have a couple of, you know, if, uh, if, well, how were your holidays if there was a holiday recently? Are you, you know, you doing anything for Halloween? Like, it, it, whatever, right? Something that is pretty universal. But I think also it's helpful to, re- like, to remember that the conversation doesn't have to keep going is yeah. the thing. Like, 
even if you want it to, even if it's going well, even if you both seem invested in the conversation, you can end it before you're both done, before it gets awkward, before you both peter out. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're both at the same party or event, you don't have to be done for the evening. Mm -hmm. Like, often, I will, again, because I have the anxiety of, like, I don't want to be really pushy with someone. And, like, I recognize I'm fairly exuberant, and people often like to do things I'm excited about. Like, I I recognize it is easy for me to sway a room. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm not trying to force an interaction on someone because I haven't noticed they don't want to be there and I don't want to be that guy. So I will have, you know, a short interaction with someone. I will comment on a thing that happened. We will back and forth. And then the first second that I have, like, oh, I didn't think of a thing to say or I have an opportunity to, like, whatever, be like – I'm gonna go grab another drink. Come find me if you want to chat more later. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, actually, you know, I gotta run to the bathroom. I'll be, I'll be around though. Come find me, right? Like, mm-hmm. we should talk later. I actually gotta go talk to my friend though about a thing. I'll, I'll be right back, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then tell them to find me. They can and they will if they want to. And if they don't want to, then I've learned something and I, they didn't have to awkwardly tell me in person. Like, tell me mm-hmm. to my face, go the fuck away, right? And yeah. I didn't have to make them sit in an uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I I try to have a couple of things to like, let's keep this conversation going, especially if you're in that fun bit of like, oh, we clearly want to keep talking, but like, we can't find a thing to talk about, right? Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll keep that going. And other times, yeah, I'll just find a reason to like, this has been lovely. Bye. Come find me later. Um, And just kind of bounce about the party. And again. Also doing that makes every interaction a little bit lower stakes because they're all a little shorter. And I'm not expecting this first interaction to end in me getting your number or you coming home with me or us being best friends and spending the rest of the evening together. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm expecting this interaction to end in about five minutes Mm -hmm. when I say, I'm going to go get another drink. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And once I'm alone... I can have a little check-in with my brain of like, do I want to find that person again? How did that go? Do I think they want to find me again? Like, because it's hard for me to have that conversation with myself while I'm talking to someone. And like I said, sometimes I have a, I'm afraid to start a conversation because I'm like, oh God, what if I'm stuck and I find out I didn't want to do this? Mm-hmm. So all of that helps to make things feel lower stakes for me and feel more accessible for me and also hopefully make the experience a little safer for the person safe feels like a dramatic word but emotionally yeah. safer for the yeah, person who i'm approaching exactly yeah. yep good stuff uh we did get some listener questions about this um one of them was like have you ever heard an actually good pickup line honestly like not really like my favorite pickup line is just like the book you're reading looks interesting what's it about like i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know that I would have someone told me they would chew through a park bench to eat my cunt once. That was I fun. remember that. That was a good one. Um <laughs> you know, uh they do they do get credit for that. Well, I, how did that image even come to mind? Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um but the thing about that line was it was not the first thing a person said to me. Right, of course. I don't know that pickup lines like, I don't know that there is 
a line that is going to sound like a line that you can approach someone with off the bat that is going to work all the time. I, I will say a, a pickup line that's sorry to interrupt you. Oh, um, God. A pickup line that is delivered in such a way that it's clear that, you know, it's kind of cheesy and it's kind of a joke for mm-hmm. me works a lot better. And I have had people say to me, like in the pool at the sex club, like, hey, come here often. And like if they seem cool and not creepy and are not like getting up in my personal space while they're saying it or anything like that, I'm open to that. Um, right. And it's not a terrible question. It's just like. If you are saying a line like that, that everybody kind of knows is a line with no hint of self-awareness, I think it just, I don't know, it doesn't make you come across very good. Right. And I think the, I think using a line that everyone knows is a line is a cute way to communicate. Hi, I want to flirt with you and I don't know how. So I'm going to do this in this like cheesy over the top way that like, you know, um, you know, but like... I I could see my version of this like sidling up next to someone at a bar being like, hey there, you come here often, you know, like really playful, dramatic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could do that. Um, I I think there are also lines that like don't sound universally like lines, but do still sound like a line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It feels like a formulaic approach. It feels like you were sitting there thinking about it for a minute before you came over to me. Right. (laughs) that feels I don't know I feel like that's more likely to put someone on their guard because it almost communicates you've been thinking about this interaction longer than I have already Mm -hmm. and I'm already on my like back foot tier trying to catch up yeah um so I, I I think that's less likely to go well um Mm -hmm. versus something that feels more off the cuff, like, I saw a thing happen and I said something about it. Yeah. Um, although the closest thing to a line that I do sometimes enjoy is if uh, I'm at a place, like, I don't, <laughs> and the the three times a year I'm at a bar, um, if I'm at a place with a card minimum, uh, I can say, like, can I buy a I don't have any cash. Can I buy you a drink? I can't meet I can't meet the minimum. Like mm-hmm. I want to buy myself a drink. Can I buy you one to put it on the card so I can hit that minimum or whatever? It gives me a reason to like I usually won't do it straight off the bat talking to someone, but if I'm like, hey, we've been talking for a second, actually I've been trying to get a drink and I actually don't have any cash. And I don't need two drinks. I will be very silly if I have two drinks. Can I buy you a drink too? And then I can literally hand it to them and walk away if the conversation ends there and I have also solved my problem because it genuinely right. is usually a problem. Because <laughs> the bars are like, they're like $6 for a rum and Coke, $20 card minimum. And I'm like, listen, you don't understand how drunk I will be. <laughs> like, so, you don't understand what a lightweight I am. Yeah. But I do like that in terms of like approaching people in a hey i need can you help me with something is Mm -hmm. a good way to get buy-in in the same way i way back in the day i had gone to kink events um with a dominant telling me i have to meet x amount of people that day right and i used that icebreaker line whatever you want to call it i would walk up to people and say hey my dominant says i need to meet 20 people today and i'm only at 12 my name is billy who are you Mm -hmm. um so like if I can enlist someone in a way that, like, hey, you want to help me out and also, 
we get to have an interaction and then I can go away and you can come find me if you want to. That is the closest thing I will grab to like a formulaic line that I have found works because people generally want to help out. Yeah, my issue with pickup lines is just that they make me feel like the person thinks I'm interchangeable with anybody else who's there. And like I have mm. literally seen people like say a line to me, get a no, and then immediately go say it to someone else, um, which is always super weird for me. But I do think there are ways that you can pull it off that are charming and fun. Mm-hmm. We got another listener question. We've really been rambling for a long time. I'm into it, but I want to answer this question. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is about whether sort of pickup artist tropes or techniques or sort of seduction ideas uh, can be subverted for use in a kinky role play or can be done in like a more consensual and negotiated way. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yes, they can be done intentionally in kink. There isn't an answer that is short enough for the time we really have left for me to Mm -hmm. like super get into it. But yeah, there are intentional ways to play with manipulation and psychological things in kink that requires a ton of negotiation Mm -hmm. and a ton of like thought around how you're going to do it from both of you. Right. Um, I would imagine hypnosis probably pairs well with a lot of this and like some psychological stuff um, and role play, certainly. Um, Discussion before and after is helpful. This also, I think, like the other thing that's coming to mind for me, though, is a thing I will sometimes do, not necessarily in a scene, but like if I'm flirting with someone... And I am not, maybe I'm not like explicitly manipulating them, but I do, I say something clever and charming in a particular way and I see it lands particularly well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I will follow up by flirting and being like, oh, you just found that charming because I did X, Y, Z. And like explaining the thing I did, (laughs) A, I can also play it off as charming, right? Mm -hmm. Like- I don't know, someone hitting on me on my professional porn account. Like, sometimes I can reply, but you just think that because, like, I'm being professionally sexy here. I'm a very different person elsewhere, right? Like, Mm -hmm. things like that where I'm like, I point out the explicit social skill, the social thing that I used or the whatever. Mm -hmm. It does make me look clever and it's interesting and it's funny and whatever. And... The goal is to also counterbalance anything that I am afraid might actually look manipulative. Right. Right? Like, no, it looked that way because I performed it that way on purpose. Yeah. Like this. Look. <laughs> um, I don't know that explaining the thing is always the solution. But I do think, like, I don't know, I sometimes play in kink that way, too. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, I don't know. I. I make you feel the thing, and then after the scene, I explain ex- exactly how you felt the thing. I explain the magic <laughs> trick to you yeah. so that you're not sitting there being like, this man is magic. No, I'm not magic. I'm not. I didn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how much it I, – I don't know how much that helps, but it is a thing that helps me feel better in playing with these things, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My experience with this is – 
doing role plays with my partner where this was part of what we were including. And like we had Mm -hmm. conversations before that about like, what do we both actually find hot about this idea? Because we Mm -hmm. only want to take the parts that we find hot and we want to throw away the parts that are going to trigger those things in me. Like, do you think I'm interchangeable with other people? Or like, do you even want to get to know me on a deeper level? Or like, are you never going to want to see me again after this? Like we can just get rid of all that stuff and focus Mm -hmm. on the parts that are hot, which for me, a lot of that is about like, feeling wanted and pursued in a way that nonetheless feels safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also a little bit of that, like being manipulated, being swayed. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that once or twice, or maybe even more than that, my partner and I have done a role play where we we like go to a bar separately and pretend that we're just like strangers who are meeting there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's like a really fun uh, easy role play if you're wanting to try like an in public role play um, mm-hmm. because it doesn't really like involve other people in any non-consenting or inappropriate way it looks mm-hmm. pretty innocuous uh, the parameters of it are fairly clear especially if you discuss beforehand like you know what are we going to end up doing at the end mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I just think that like that probably felt more real to me than any role play I've ever done because mm. we were actually physically in the place where that kind of thing would happen. And I did notice I was actually feeling that nervousness that I would feel in that situation and mm-hmm. um, having a little bit of like a get to know you conversation, which was obviously like not something I was really doing with my partner anymore at that point because we knew each other really well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just thought that that was really fun. It infused like a sort of NRE flirtiness into our dynamic for that scene and and that's cool yeah I also think if you were trying to like in a more abstract way just kind of play with ideas of manipulation and like psychological stuff Mm -hmm. which is I think a thing that draws many like that folks find fascinating about this pickup thing and that a lot of kinksters find really hot right um some degree of psychological control some degree of control where the person doesn't realize they're being controlled right Mm -hmm. things like that um and there are ways i think to negotiate that that still feel safe and also feel to some degree real like don't necessarily feel like you explain the magic beforehand Mm -hmm. right um so generally when i'm talking about like the problem of surprises in a kink scene and negotiation. the I always go to like over-negotiating. So this mm-hmm. is a good opportunity for that, talking about like a wide range of things that might be on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would pay specific attention to talking about how you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you want to play a scene where you're like, I want this, because like, I don't know, humiliation scenes. We are manipulating that person into feeling small and humiliated, right? Right. Um, So if you're talking about the kind of feelings you want to elicit and the psychological play you want to play with to elicit those feelings, like that seems like playing in line with a lot of these tools and things. And I think if you negotiate, hey, these are the spectrum of feelings I'm comfortable feeling and the ways I think I would be comfortable with you getting me there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then explore what kind of feelings you can push their brain into 
Uh, and then I frankly would feel most comfortable unpacking afterwards and being like, hi, these are the feelings I shot for. These are the ways I did that. This is my intention behind it. This is how I actually feel, right? Mm -hmm. These are maybe things I said that were less than true because they were within the scene and whatever. Right, like I would need a lot of unpacking afterwards because this is not a thing that it's going to be readily apparent like to your eyes that it has gone wrong if it has gone wrong. Right. Right. These are the kind of things that like, I don't know, you could say something and it just sticks in the back of their head and festers there. And you don't know about that unless you are both talking about it and like very explicit about the ways that like you're interacting with this because it is all in our heads. Mm -hmm. um, but I do... Like, it, it will always be risky play. I'm not going to say there is a way to do it inherently safely, but there is a way to do it that is within my risk profile, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dildorks. I've been Kate Sloan. You can find all my stuff online at katesloan.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where is your stuff? I'm Billy. You can find information about my workshops and all of my porn over at BillyLore.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at BillyLore on Twitter and BillyLore underscore on Instagram. So you can follow me over there. Together we are the Dildorks. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Dildorks and at thedildorks.com. We're also at patreon.com slash the Dildorks where you could toss a couple of bucks our way and help us keep doing this thing we're doing. Help me pay, you know, rent and well, help us both pay rent and food and things. Um, for $6 a month, you get access to our com Discord community. And for $12 a month, you get access to our exclusive Patreon-only bonus episodes. Thank you so much to our top-tier Patreon supporters, Stabitha Christie, Nat, MB, Argo, Amy, and Amelia. We really appreciate your support. Thank you also to Protodome, who did our theme song, Amy, who did our logo, and thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Why am I so sleepy? It's 3 p.m. Like, <laughs> tired of it. Yeah, same. I think that the good parts of pickup artist teachings are. Sorry, let me collect my thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, I've forgotten immediately what I was going to say. Like, wow, can you believe the view from this this uh, subway? Mm -hmm. Subway? I'm going to say that again. <laughs> um. Mm -hmm.